Before we get into today's episode, we wanted to give you a heads up that this podcast has some heavy hitting topics, conversations, and opinions. So yes, we welcome any and all feedback, but just a reminder, you are choosing to listen to this and you can choose not to agree. Okay, now that that's out of the way, let's fuck small talk. What? <laughs> I feel like if somebody asks me to introduce myself, I always get so nervous and I'm like, what, what do I say? Yeah, you're aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name is Evan Murray. And nice I'm happy to, to be here. Nice to meet nice you, Evan. Nice. I didn't know your last name. It's lovely to meet you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm Danielle Burt, and this is a shape a day. <laughs> yeah. This is our first time meeting. <laughs> yes. No, so how do we how do we know you? I know Evan through work. Yes, so I've worked with Ashe for a year. Just about, yeah. Uh, just over a year or just under a year? Just under a year. How close are your desks? 15 feet. Very close. And we were actually further away, but then we had a whole building shuffle. Desk yeah. shuffle. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was tucked in a corner with a different division, actually. Oh. With a yes. different function. And, um, and then they reshuffled the entire thing, and now we're very close. Cute. Physically and emo- emotionally. Physically, emotionally. <laughs> Do you go for lunches? Uh, we did. We did. Oh, this week. Tension. We went this week. Yeah, this oh. week. Uh, we get after work drinks. We went, we went on Friday. We went on Friday, yeah. It was very yeah, recent. On Friday. Oh, right. um, and then we go to bars afterwards. Yeah, we usually. Drinks, we hang out. Yeah, we're close. Okay. Oh, so Evan leaves little sticky notes on my desk every now and then. They're kind of cute. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. For real? Yeah. 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 Ah. What, what was it again? <laughs> They're always investments. Oh, it's yes. Always. Here's yes. how you can make more money. Oh. It was like, it's not like how's your day today? No, no, <laughs> it was, no, I don't get real cute. I get real serious about his, his long-term goals. No, okay. His financial yeah. portfolio. What? is your role in comparison to his role? So I am um, a manager in the finance department. Yep. And I'm an analyst in the finance department. And I don't know, growing up, I didn't know that like finance was going to be, I thought it was going to be boring as shit. Yeah, it's, it's a lot different. It's actually pretty entertaining and the, the days fly. For oh, me. yeah. Like they fly. And, it and blew finance, my mind that it's been think, a year. You would think that's like... You know, mundane, you crunch numbers and, you know, it's boring. I think that was one of two ways. People think finance, like investment banking finance, which to them is like cocaine and stocks. Yeah, lewds. Cocaine and stocks. Like I'm just going off of Wall Street. (laughs) Yeah, everyone knows that. Everyone knows that. Or or it's very mundane stuff, and I think I think like paper pushing, like paper pushing. Yeah, yeah. and I don't. Did you mean to fall into finance? Is that your trajectory? I honestly, this is a. I don't think anyone really knows the story except for my parents. Inside scoop. So um, I used to work at a marina. Cute. And I was the guy that pumped up the your gas. Huge yachts. Like 75-foot Ferretti yachts. Jesus. Like ballers. Um, I was I was there for a summer. And you get to know the people that have their, do- have their boats docked there. And so this one guy, because I, I was, I think I was in, I would have been in high school. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do in university, but I was currently taking accounting courses. Okay. And I'm like, like I feel like I want to go into the sale. sales. Is a good feels like a, I, I could do that for the rest of my life. I, my dad's in marketing, my mom's a nurse. Like, but I feel like my trajectory is to go into like business and be in sales. Yeah. And just ironically enough, like um, the one that I got really close with, I think his name was John. Like the one Marina attendee. 
No, no, he, he was a boat owner. Yeah, yeah. He had one of the nicest boats there. Gotcha. Kept it very clean. He was using it every weekend. Um, he's like, "What do you want to do, Evan?" Like, what, like while I was pumping up his gas, like, "What do you want to do?" I'm like, "Well, I'm thinking of um, sales, but I'm good at math. I'm good at numbers." He's like, "Well, just let you know, like, I'm a CA, and you definitely need to be a CA. You're never gonna forget it, regret it. It's, uh, it's changed my life. I'm, hmm. I'm, I'm uh, running a." I'm a CFO at, a, at a, like a Fortune 500 company, and I wouldn't have been able to do that if, if I wasn't a CA, and you won't regret it. If you're good at numbers and you're good, just do it. So that was my like initial game plan was get my CA and like be an auditor, you yeah. know, at the big four. And I realized I wasn't that good at numbers. Like I wasn't like 99 <laughs> well, we percentile. I feel like the three of us in the room had those days. <laughs> yeah. Like I thought, oh, I'm so good. Like, you know, I got 82. Like that's amazing. But no, there's people that are like getting perfect. Yeah. And then when you start applying like in university. Wait, like, like 82, are we talking in high school or university? University. Okay. Like in high school, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely yeah. killing it. I was getting like 98s and like, I was like, this is like, why not go into a profession that it's easy? Yeah. Right. Um, so I, in university, I actually failed my first uh, math uh, test. You do. Yeah. And I put it on my fridge. So stressful. I put it on I my fridge. I'm like, so hard. I'm like, wow, life is real. It hit rock fast. bottom. Life <laughs> came at me fast. I'm like, math is supposed to be my strong suit. I know. Yeah, I should stop drinking. Right? Yeah, yeah they told me in the orientation, they were like, prepare yourselves for your marks to drop 30%. And I was like, yeah, all you chumps are going to drop 30%. Yeah. I'm not. And do the first couple of tests. I'm like, fuck. Yep, that happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I started like hunkering down. But then as the years went on in university, I was like, I don't want to be an auditor. That sounds super boring. The more I talk to people that were doing it, I'm like, oh, I don't. And then also, I wasn't even really good enough for it. I couldn't, even if I wanted to work there, I went to like information sessions and was talking to the recruiters and all they wanted to know was my resume. And, and that's like, not, sorry, not my resume, my uh, transcript. Yeah. Oh. All they, wanted, they, didn't, they didn't care who that's I was. That's a red flag for yeah, me. All I, they I wanted to know is what are my freaking grades? Yeah. Not yeah. who I am. But, and that actually translate into your capabilities which is my main pet peeve with education is that we measure intelligence on a piece of paper that has some exactly numbers on it. exactly and exams are not in my opinion the way you measure intelligence what was that what was that quote there's a quote by einstein where it's like i think it was by einstein where it's like if you measure a fish by its ability to climb a tree the fish is going to think it's stupid its entire life Ooh. you know what i mean which i think kind of relates i think it was einstein instagram teaches me things <laughs> yeah so continue yeah, yeah yeah so i i uh was definitely on that path i had multiple like career counselor discussions to be a ca you know what though i found that with the with the accounting firms as well like maybe they've gone through a transition but it was it was very academic like i got an interview based on like just talking to people at those networking at those information sessions yeah but ultimately like i kind of understood that i wasn't i was never going to get that job unless i was the person that had a 90 Right, yeah. unless you were that that person, yeah. you're not getting that job, mm-hmm. right? Which, which, like the, the reliance on transcripts to determine employees is, I think, flawed. It and you don't want to be flawed. another, just another notch in the employee count for somebody in a cubicle who's unimportant, has no value. Like exactly, ugh. yeah. And then I started talking to people that actually got jobs at these big four, and they were working eighty hour weeks. It's mental. Crying, hating it. 
like just just insane with the hope of one day it all being worth it yeah yeah so i'm like you know what i'm just gonna pause on that and then i realized if i wanted to go down that path i had to the year three and year four of university be a hundred percent accounting and i'm like no i i want to still learn marketing and sales yeah i want to be well-rounded like yep. a jack of all trades type of thing <laughs> yeah Jack's so all so um <laughs> I didn't want to be just a one-trick pony, so yeah. I intentionally, Ooh, I, like I, I intentionally um, avoided the 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 much dreaded course of tax, which is a two-term course. Yeah, I've heard. And I we waited. We were friends when he was taking it. So. Oh, oh. <laughs> I've heard. Okay, and I waited until after university, after graduating, to take it. Oh, interesting. Whoa. And like I got still from Mac. Uh, I got it. Uh, I did a. Um, what's it called? Off-campus U of T. Oh, okay. Course. Yeah. 96. Oh, shit. The tax man himself. Damn. Where everyone, don't ask me any tax advice. I am not a tax <laughs> professional. That was a long time ago when I took that course. Um, but yeah, I, I'm so happy I did that move because then I learned marketing. You know, I took a negotiations class that I Ooh. wouldn't be able to take. Love negotiations. Ooh, Ooh. me too. Yeah. I want to read this new book called Never Meet in the Middle. Ooh, I'm writing it down. Uh, I'm writing former, it down. former FBI <gasps> oh. uh, hostage negotiator. Oh, yes. shit. I've heard amped. about this. What is this called? I, uh, never Meet in the Middle. Never Meet in the Middle. Amazon. I Help am I, I am so ready to pick that up, like, probably tonight. And, never. yeah, negotiations was... I'm so glad I took that course. Um, because there's... And that's a skill set that is, like, in need. a hot forever. commodity. Oh, yeah. it's, but it's everything you do. When buying a car, when buying a house, when... Yeah. Whatever you do, you need to negotiate. When dating with someone, yeah, yeah, you know, I want I want more than ten percent of the bed. Yeah, you gotta exactly. You got to negotiate up to thirty. Right. It's 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 a struggle. Right. I get so, it. But you can make the pie bigger. It's not about I want half more than half. It's you can even make the pie. I didn't even know you wanted that much bed. Why don't we, why don't we get a king bed then? Let's get a king bed. Wow. Ooh, wow. Game right? changer. Game changer. Which That's I, huge, ha- right? I have a king size bed. No. Do it. Never right. split the difference. I think that's exactly what I meant to say. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it is. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah. Cool. Negotiating as if your life depended on it. Yeah. Oh, that's the kind of book cover I need in my life. Anyways, negotiating super cool. And when you can do it where people don't even know you're doing it with them, oh, yeah. I'm addicted to that shit. Yeah. So, yeah. So, fast forward. Um, I'm to, I guess, end of fourth year. And um, I got a really good vibe. Went to information session. I was the CPG industry. And... Um, consumer packaged goods. Consumer I was like, goods. can somebody Sorry, for, yes, CPG. on the external of that? And so um, got a really good vibe from this one guy. And um, he, yeah, he hired me while I was still doing um, exams. Amazing. And that was like obviously a really good feeling that I was got a job. And it was a supervisor job right out of school. So Ooh. Um, in operations. So yeah, if, if, if uh, you cut on to that. So I went to school for accounting. Wanted to go into sales. I was working a sales job in university. I was selling uh, Tosimos at Sears. Cool. Tosimos at nice. Sears. Okay. And then I went into, <laughs> and I was I was the co-chair of, of the marketing association, the DeGroote Marketing Association. Yes, I know the one. And then uh, went into operations, supply chain. So very, like, very different things across the board. Very so you've done crazy, the full portfolio yeah, yeah, so, of business. I mean, you said business, so yes, you've checked there, all exactly. the boxes. Yep, that duotang is full. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I, I did that for, I was in operations for um, 
seven years. And while that was going on, I, I did my tax course and then I, I got my CMA. So my, my uh, certified managerial accountant designation. Mm. Yes. Different. Different. So not auditor. Yep. Um, but somewhat of a, an expert in financial analysis and, you know, yep. financial reporting and cost analytics, cost analytics. Yes. Yeah. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Which then I could work in any industry I wanted to. Yeah. Um, more about, more about I managerial decision making than about, um, yeah. From a financial perspective than about like financial accuracy. And just strategic and like there's, that's there's awesome. Qualitative that and so quantitative. Good. So like, Hey, it does make sense to buy this building across the street. But you have to fire 18 people. Well, whoa, 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 right? Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's not just the numbers. Yeah. So that's what I learned a lot about about that. And uh, Crucial life skills. Yeah, yeah. So did that. Um, during the seven years in operations, I transitioned to, a, I was trying to get into a finance position. And it's, it's tough because no one does that. No one really goes from operations to finance. It's very, doesn't seem, like, you've seen people go from marketing to sales and vice yeah. versa. Or operations to, like, which is like um, a broad stroke, but I was in like the distribution side of things. So after the product's made, yep. people go from there to manufacturing. So creating the product yep. to yeah. be, so I, I just, I didn't want to do the whole manufacturing environment, went to finance and then, yeah, I've, I've been there since for the past like three and a half years, cool. sorry, three years. And, um, and so yeah, kind of during that time, like I would say, about two years after um, graduating, I, I've always been in, been into like podcasts and books and and trying to better myself and try to go against the grain. Like the self learning. Yeah, I've path. I've always been about that. I came across uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And that really opened my eyes. I'm like, holy shit! What is this passive income? I don't I don't have to work. Like I don't have to trade my time for for money and that that's a, that's an equation that's a trade-off that you've talked to me about before at yeah. length right is that if you think about typically what people are doing um when you're working a job or you're working in your career that's that's exactly it you're saying i'm gonna give you eight hours or more uh of my day every single day in exchange for x amount of money and yeah. then while during those eight hours you can dictate what i do right and then so the book uh it's a book right it's a book yeah the book seems to talk about it's an audio book too it's an audio book as well yeah i think there's a tv show yeah i have a friend who's bought in and the way she talks about the way she's managed her money like she's paid off an insane amount of student debt in a very short amount of time Mm -hmm. using this methodology and that's a whole other conversation i have conflicting viewpoints on paying off student debt very quickly so a lot of my friends like a couple of the people that i graduated with uh two of them have paid off their full student debt like they want to make lump sum payments they want to get off their books as quickly as possible Mm. uh the one is is working towards that so instead of paying the minimum he's paying like he's paying the minimum and then every couple months he'll make like a big lump sum payment right so he still has an outstanding balance whereas i'm just going ahead and making minimum payments and uh the conflicting view is that to me student debt is different than like a line of credit where like if i pay it down i'm paying down a line of credit right but if i need that money it's available to me again i can just borrow more against line of credit so it's, I'm putting that money against my debt payment, but it's not like that money's going away necessarily, right? Whereas with student debt, if I make lump sum payments, mm-hmm. I, I make that payment and it's gone. gone. It's I can't gone. I can't take more debt. I'm not a student anymore. Yeah. And I can't just use that for whatever I want. I have to use it for student debt, right? And so to me, it seems inefficient. Where I, the interest is a real is a real cost, but it just seems inefficient to pay it off. Like allocate my money that much towards. Yeah. 
a debt repayment that's not doing anything for me. And I think realistically, Evan, you might know this better. Do how, how much do like banks or lenders care about student debt? In well, it comes down to your total debt service ratio. So how much debt do you have versus your income? And then what's that percentage? Is it is it over? Uh, I think it's forty percent. Okay. Um, and if if it's if you're over that, then they start getting red flags, and they don't they don't really care the type of debt. They want to know the, the categories, but it's ultimately a dollar amount of debt versus your dollar amount of income. Oh, interesting. So it doesn't make a difference whether it's student debt or whatever kind or of. Or it's debt a credit it card or it's a credit debt card, yeah. or or alimony or whatever. It's so why debt. why not pick a debt that's going to work a little bit better for you, right? Than necessarily student debt. But there's also this thought of what's the interest rate? So six and a half for me. It's huge. So it's huge. Versus a credit card is twenty two percent. Right. Right. You're right. going to pay off the credit. Don't focus on the cheaper debt. Focus on the more expensive debt. Correct. Pay down that. Correct. It's costing you more money to yeah. hold on to. Correct. So, Whereas if I had a mortgage versus uh, uh, a student debt, yeah, I don't want to pay on the student debt. Yes. I wouldn't make balloon payments on the mortgage. Yes. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I had a friend talk about it, where, and it was kind of eye-opening to me because, and this fits nicely into our topic of talking about debt and managing debt because yeah. I was talking to Ashay. I just bought my first car. Like, I, my previous car I got for free. Uh, and it's my first time really taking debt because I had a tiny little baby student loan that mm. I paid off, like, within the first year of having it. It was super, super tiny, and it was in second year. And yep. I have not currently had debt since then. Hey, uh, okay. But it also means that I'm not building that experience, and I'm not building that comfort level, and I'm not building that history. And I was talking yeah. to a friend, and she was like, yes, I have debt that I manage on a monthly basis, but also if I don't continue to have debt, I will never actually have savings. Because she was like, I'm kind of managing it like a portfolio view where you're like, okay, let's weigh the pros and cons of what debt I have, mm. where savings are important to me because of future life goals of like owning a house or owning certain assets. And that was new for me where I was like, oh, you're choosing to say, I'm going to not pay this debt this month in whatever capacity. I'm going to leave it there, hang out, and I'm going to put some money in savings. And I was like, that is mind boggling to me Yeah, because I'm like, I don't have credit card debt ever. Like, ever. I'm so paranoid about debt. And then mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this is also a red flag on my side where I was like, why am I not comfortable with debt? Oh, it's just because I don't have experience with it. Because mm -hmm. I recognize, I'm like, I understand a mortgage is debt. Yep. But you have a mortgage. I don't know many people who can just be like, here's $350,000 in cash. I'm good. And that's like a shack <laughs> these days. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. like, I... You bought a closet. Yeah. Closet. <laughs> you just bought a little <laughs> den. <laughs> with black mold. <laughs> yeah, with black mold. <laughs> So this whole car experience has been very eye-opening for me because I'm like, oh, here's a loan now that I have for the first time that's like not small in my mind. And it's like pennies compared to a house and I plan to have one. Yes. So I'm just like, this is so interesting to me to, and I, I understand, like I look at other things in a portfolio manner. So I'm like, just apply this thinking here. Yes. It's like, man, how do you get, like, how did you, because I know you have student debt as well. Like, how do you get comfy with it? Like, how are you just like, ah, ah, I'm just like, Tied to a bank. Yes. Or the, the, go so, the government in my case. Yeah. And I, and I want to go down, I don't want to go down this, another rabbit hole, but like this, the whole thought of student debt and how you have to like, I don't know what the percentage is, but like 
in the states. It's it's insane. Like people oh, are paying off their students like, in, in their forties. Yeah, yeah. And it's well, like the, I saw this thing. It was like the average uh, time to repay a student loan in the United States is over thirteen years. And and then you think of some of these people that just completely skip the whole university side of things, go to, um, you know, seminars or or self or get a mentor in an industry that you want to succeed in and pay them 10 grand, right? Or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or if you have no money, go and do things for them for free. Go and whatever, deliver these th- things or, and then you can, you can get access to their, to their knowledge yep. that way. Cause if that's ultimately the goal, right? You want to, f- yeah. you want to become usually an expert in something or be good in an industry that you were interested in. Why not go right to the best of the best skip the four years of debt that you're going to take on just latch yourself onto that person yeah and then are you better off or worse off I- a little off topics uh, butchering a transition here but i'm curious you mentioned rich dad poor dad and just yes. this, this conversation of like finding a mentor like finding knowledge in your yes. own way that maybe not is four years of debt that just gives you a piece of paper that says whatever yes um but i've heard the rich dad poor dad like I've heard it from like kind of the cult side of it where it's like people become obsessed and it's like more lower income who are like, this is a quick win. This is just going to get me millions of dollars. Go to the back of the room. Yeah. I can like get a yacht. half off if you buy today. Yeah. All that like infomercial. That's the word I was looking for. Yes. Kind of style selling seems to be what I've seen from it. So I'm curious, like you mentioned it as like a win for you. Yes. So I will, I'll touch on two questions you had because you had one about um, just how do you get, how do you get comfortable around debt? Yeah. Um, and then also the um, just kind of latching onto a mentor type and, and learning from them and how that should work or how I found success with it. So I'll talk to the debt one first. Okay. So there's two categories I have of debt. There's consumer debt, which is you buying a purse, you buying shoes, you buying tickets to games. It's it's a I want, right? It's a credit card it's, debt. It's a credit card debt yeah. Consumer debt. And uh, I pay that shit down immediately too. I do not want, I am very, very anal when it comes to that. I want that, I want a zero balance on my credit card always. But when it comes to investor debt, which is the other category, mm-hmm. is you're, you're, um, you're allocating uh, money that the bank is willing to give you or, or a private lender. There's, there's, there's actually, there's an abundance of money out there, right? Whether you get it from a bank or a B lender bank or, or a, a credit union or a private lender that has millions of dollars and wants to get it. It just comes down to the percentage you're willing to pay on that money. Yeah. So banks have way more rules, but it's, it's cheaper, right? It's like 3%, 4%. And then you have the, the, the higher the percentage goes, it's uh, less rules. Like they don't really need to know everything about you and, and, uh, you know, your income, your T4s and all that, yep. which a bank will want. Yep. A uh, private investor just wants to know like the property and like, do you have experience doing it or mm. not? Yep. And they'll give you half a million dollars. Cool, cool, but cool, cool, cool. But for 12%. Yeah. Right? And that's, that's really fucking high. But what's the deal? Like just, just add that 12% interest as an expense. Yeah. To your, so what got me comfortable with debt um, was... My first, my first thing that got me so rich dad poor dad was one thing, but also I really, really hated renting. I'm like, I'm paying, I'm paying it's, someone, yeah, I'm paying I, someone else's yeah. mortgage, and yeah. it really, really irked me, really did. 
I like that you touched on that also before you continue because yeah. it's it's like it seems like when even with Danny when you were talking about uh you like your student debt and your car debt and and sometimes when I talk about my student loan it it feels like we're talking about debt from a place of fear yeah and Evan I know that's not where you're at right and I think it's because of this journey you're about to take us on yeah uh, that you're not at that place so yeah so uh, let's go on a journey let's hold hands kumbaya um, so yeah I I hated renting from the get-go i always knew that i was paying someone else to pay down their debt yeah right and I'm like i want to be i want to do that and so <laughs> i i'm like i don't have a lot of money i have but i've always been very frugal i haven't been like I've, yeah. i always waited to get new clothes christmas time like when people gave me clothes i wouldn't buy you know I, I was so that was one thing that was in in my corner i was pretty frugal already and saving quite a bit um and then when i uh, let's see, um, identified an area that I could, I could live in, which was Milton. Um, no one really heard about it. It was, it wasn't really up and coming yet. Um, people were like, are you, you're going to move to where? (laughs) This isn't back in 2013. I was just going to ask the year. Yeah. So, um, not really a lot going on, but there were some developments, but it wasn't like booming. Like you probably think Milton is now or last year is 2018 ish. Yeah. Um, cause it, it's growing like crazy, mental, crazy. My approach to it was, and this is not for everybody for sure, because, uh, when I tell certain people, they, and I get it, they don't, they, they wouldn't, um, they wouldn't agree with this, but I went in knowing that I didn't want to live by myself. And so instead of me being just owning a home and having a mortgage to pay, I was going to have tenants live with me. Yep. And then pay off, pay off my mortgage that way. So now a, that's there, becoming sort of the necessity of how you structure a household. There, there's a there's a term it's called house hacking, that I guess that's that's what it's now referred to. I didn't know what it was called. There was there's not as much education and podcasts about this when I was starting, mm-hmm. but that's what I was doing. I was living with tenants who were paying more than my mortgage was worth, and my property tax and my utilities. So I was actually pocketing about 200 bucks a month cash flow living with these people. Now, did I do a good job betting them? No. They were, <laughs> they were, uh, th- it was three dudes. Um, they were great guys in terms of like, I could see me- myself like hanging out with them. Yeah. But I shouldn't have thought that way. <laughs> right. I should have thought more of, is their credit good? Is their, you know, what, what's their history? Uh, how long are they supposed to be living here for? Yeah. What What's their game plan? Um, and so, yeah. So that that was my first ever investment, and I'm like, let's just let's make mistakes, let's learn here, um, figure out what's going on, and and I got really lucky as well because Milton exploded in value. Yeah. So it went from like three hundred thousand, which is what I bought it for, to half a million. Yeah. In about two years. So I didn't buy another property for a whole uh, two years. Yeah. And I just got a home equity line of credit because I'm like, let's just let's just rinse and repeat this. This is let's just try doing it again because it's working. And so I bought another property in Brampton and did the exact same thing. So I just replaced myself in Milton with another tenant and then moved into Brampton and had three roommates live with me again Hmm. and did the exact same thing. And it was the exact same. But I learned from the mistakes from. So I did a better job with, you know, (laughs) because. The guy that lost his job, I was like, hey, can, can you give me a credit report? 
He's like, mm. no, he said no. He was like, nah, <laughs> nah. My my parents will just sign for you or for me. Oh my god! And oh I, my I accepted god. that. I'm like, sure, yeah, that's okay. I'm okay with this. Yeesh. Oh so <laughs> I made a lot of mistakes. I could have completely screwed myself over like doing this, but um, anyways, yeah. So, um, lived in, in Brampton for another couple of years. And then, um, so just to backtrack the, the, the importance of that property going up in value, half a million. Yeah. I took a home equity line of credit, which is more debt. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm going to use this to now make me more cash flow. that extra 200 bucks, 300 bucks yeah. more a month in my pocket. So I've just, I've just kept doing that mentality. I have, I, I was up to six properties. I sold, I sold it earlier this year, the Milton one, my yeah. first baby. Oh my God, was that emotional for you? It was, yeah, because I, I kind of never wanted to sell it. You want to keep it forever? I wanted to keep it forever because it's so che- it was so cheap. Yeah. And were you, were you thinking, like, was it a financial decision that you wanted to keep it forever or I, what? I wanted to buy a, a home with my now fiance. And so we needed a bigger down payment. We wanted to buy a nicer home. And because I, I was perfectly fine with living in, like, you know, like, $300,000 homes. So not the nicest properties. Yeah. But you could still attract rent from tenants. Yeah. That could pay for it. Yeah. And so I, if I bought a million dollar home, sure, that's a nice kick-ass home. But I'm not going to be paying off my mortgage with that. No. I, yeah. I'm going to be losing money a month and then having a tenant in the house. So. Um, I mean, that's cool that your greed hasn't increased mm-hmm. as you've seen successful evidence of this working. Yeah. In a way that then hurts your overall strategy. Yeah. Yeah. So is, is, is that like though now that you you just mentioned like multiple properties and like you kind of have a lot of cash flow coming in from that? Is that would you say that's your primary thing now? Like over even work? My question is, a lot of people do stuff like this as a side hustle. But would you even describe this as a side hustle? Or is this your main main thing and work is your side hustle? Ooh. I would say that's a great question. Um, I would say the fact that I have. Um, a full-time job, banks love that, right? You have a full-time job. They, they prefer that over being self-employed. They prefer that being having no job, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So um, working where I'm working is great on paper. And it's I'm not going to say they pay me shit money. It's it's good money, good benefits, you, as you know. It's not – they're they're competitive. Um, can I be making more if I was to quit and go to another company? Yeah, sure. That you That's always been the, the – a known thing that you, you get paid your worth when you leave. Yeah. Yep. They say that about every place, actually. Right? Yeah. So, and there's some people have actually brought it down like a, to a, a science. Like, if you leave every two and a half years, you will, you will always be hmm. uh, ahead of the game. Hmm. So, my side hustle is definitely still real estate because you, I have. still say that's your side because, um, and my, my end goal is to equal my cash flow from real estate to equal my salary. Are you there yet? And I'm I'm close, but I'm not there yet. So once once they start getting there, I'm going to start trying to scale my real estate side more. Hmm. Oh, so you're saying that the tipping point for you, right? The tipping point for when your side hustle becomes your main hustle, yeah. is when it's equivalent. Yeah, or they're, more. they're very close. That? When they're he very, sees that, yeah, they're very close. But I still want to buffer because I c- I could have to you know repair a roof and there's fifteen grand and or whatever, or I I have to deal with some random other shit. Yeah. Ultimately, um, just more cash flow, right? Yeah. And, and, and your real estate thing doesn't seem like it takes up eight hours of your day every single day. Yeah, exactly. And and that's the thing. It's if you have systems in place, like you know that okay. So if the if the 
plumber is, or sorry, the plumber, the toilet is uh, <laughs> gone, it's clogged, then you have a plumber that you trust, you've already have in place in that city that you know can quickly fix it within an hour or two hours. Yeah. Which the amount of times that people, that toilets are an issue are very few and far between in my experience. I know many people make that comment like, I, I don't want to have to deal with, yeah. you know, a, a plumbing problem at two in the morning and, you know, fuck that. Or it's, uh, the furnace is broken on Christmas and I got to go and leave my family. Like, I've never, I've never seen that. Like, you, just be a good landlord. Like, make sure that your home is up to date and not a piece of shit and, it, you're not you don't have black mold like yeah. forming and you know like allocate you're not a slumlord like allocate money to maintenance shout out to timmy buckets yeah shout out to timmy buckets <laughs> so um but you talked about this where coming from a place of fear like i think people use fear as an excuse not to take what they would probably define as risks because they haven't looked at it yeah. this way. I think to a lot of people, uh, even a mortgage is a risk. Mortgage is debt. And it's, it's arguably the single biggest piece of debt 90% of the population is going to have in their Absolutely. life. Yeah. Probably even more than 90, right? Yep. The single biggest piece of debt, especially in this housing market that we have in Ontario right now. Yep. Right? It's a huge commitment. It's something you have to make every month and it's a continual payment and it's this big scary thing that every single bank looks at anytime, they, anytime anyone's considering giving you money. And so I think I think that you're right. It's even, even the first property is scary for a lot of people. I know um, there's people in my life that have refused to branch out and buy more, even though they have the financial capability. They have their mortgage 70, 80% paid off. Like you said, a home equity line of credit. They could easily just re up their mortgage, get a bunch of money, cash out of that mortgage, yep. that house, and then go invest in something else. But they're scared to do it because they're like, yeah. I don't want to be tethered to this mortgage for the rest of my life. Or, yep. or, the, the fear is if I fuck up, if I mess up, if this, if whatever my investment I'm doing doesn't pan out, I don't accidentally have a co-signer of somebody's parents, right? Right. Yeah. If that doesn't happen and I go broke and I this investment fucks up, I don't have a safety net. I'm alone, yeah. right? I don't have anybody I feel like I can go to or rely on to help me get out of this pickle and I don't want to be homeless. And so I think it's a huge fear thing. Mm. Um, it, I think inherently here I'm talking about n- not necessarily... Our generation, though, I think I feel like some Danny, some people we know in our generation have the same yeah. sentiment, but it just feels like there's this roadblock, and that's the safety net, right? I, I I'm curious when you were going about and multiple properties, you obviously have mortgages on all of them. I, have you paid any of them in cash? Is that a thing, or give mortgages on all of them? Oh, mortgage on all of them. Okay, yeah. So yeah. you have a lot of debt accumulated. Yes. Do you ever? worry about what would happen if, if things went south so this is a what great, would happen what would happen this is a great segue to that and that other question you had about you know there's there's a bit of a cult um mentality with some of this sometimes and you go to this seminar trump used to have these seminars yeah yeah the like, art of a deal the art of the deal yeah. and and it was like you get a you get my free book if you come and if you bring a friend oh, you I get another book. book i don't want donny t's book yeah and then and then you um they, they'd sell you on the dream, right? Like, yeah. oh, you, you know, you have, you want to spend more time with your family and you want to, mm-hmm. you want, you want to get out of the rat race. I hear that every day. Get out of the rat race. Get out of the rat race. Or the even nine to five. literally the title of that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. They're playing on your kids. And they're exactly. leveraging your kids. Even the dad exactly. Exactly. shit. Yeah. yeah. So, so, uh, you know, run to the back of the room. It's half off. You know what's ten thousand dollars on your financial freedom, right? Like you and your you and your husband, you and your wife, 
into these seminars, which I've never done these seminars, by the way. Yeah, no. That's what I, I just made that very clear. I've never, ever done. What I have done is I've bought tickets to conferences that I feel if I'm, if I'm with like-minded individuals at that conference and it's like a learning, mm-hmm. then I don't mind paying 200 bucks for that. But I'm not going to drop $10,000 for to be coached through this magic solution this thing. So going to your fear question, mm. what got me when my first property, what got me over a lot of my reservations, reservations like, oh my God, I have, I'm going to have a mortgage. I'm like, what do I do now? How am I going to, what happens if the roof needs to be replaced? Um, the one thing that will always help is if you seek guidance from someone that's done it before you. Yeah. Right, okay. we we aren't we aren't the first people to buy a home before, or do this before. There's people that that have nineteen properties that have, and they're my age. Like they're they're doing it with ease. Yeah. Right? Did you see guidance from that kind of person? I have a yeah. I have an aunt who has who owns real estate, and gotcha. okay. and she's found a lot of great success with that. Um, and so I'd always ask her and my dad. My dad doesn't invest in properties, but He's just, you know, business savvy. And I'm like, what do you think here versus the stock market? Like, what are your thoughts on real estate? And I was just really into it. I, th- I thought it made sense to me. Yeah. And having someone who's done it before you, who's gone through it multiple times, takes the answers a lot of your unknowns. That's true. Right? Yeah. And it's a forever need. People need shelter, right? It's not that it's never going to go away. People need a roof. Yeah. So that's also helped me. Yeah. Versus somebody who True. like invested in Tamagotchis. People people don't need Tamagotchis no more. Right. Right. And then another thing that got like once I started more out and more. Tamagotchi. Shout out to Tamagotchi. Timmy Bucket's also another shout out to you. I know. I know you're listening. <laughs> um, so obviously there's two main options here when it comes to investing. Right. And there's there's for, for me, there's the real estate world and there's like the stock market kind of world and there's so many different options in the stock market you could do etfs you can do mutual funds you can do whatever right it's very overwhelming to a lot of people it's a lot yeah do i know do i have full control over what jeff jeff bezos is going to do with his company tomorrow no i do not know i could i could buy a bunch of his stock or amazon stock and and be like you know what amazon's a great company but also it's been dropping like crazy recently like yep where a property, so a physical asset, I know that if I replace the shitty floors with nicer flooring, the property value just went up. If I gut the kitchen and put in brand new, whatever was there before that was outdated and from the 50s and I make it nicer, I just made it worth more. My my investment just went up because of what I did. Yeah. You not control, not, control not what these CEOs are doing on Wall Street. Yeah. It's what I did. And yeah. I made $10,000 more than what I invested into a renovation. And that's and everyone that relatively knows about renos, you usually get more out of it than what you put into it in terms of equity. Yeah. Right? And then you can use that equity to then either pay down other debt or buy another property or... Yeah. I mean, you definitely have more control. I don't think you have all the control. I mean, municipalities are obviously making... Laws, bylaws about renters, the RTA that you've already mentioned. Yeah. Um, but you definitely have more control. You're absolutely right. And you're not blind. You're not blind to those things, right? It's, easy, yeah. it's probably easier to get information about changes coming up that this the the, town, the city of Brampton is going to make versus what Jeff Bezos wants to do with Amazon next week. 
and that comes back to the research, right? So finding someone that's done it before that you trust that either they, they're on social media, you reach out to them. Uh, I'm definitely once again, not going to pay. A lot of people do swear by this though. They, they, uh, that are doing very well. They do pay like 20, 50, $80,000 to a mentor. Wow. And they wow. and they are seeing huge returns on that. But the mentors are also laughing. And the, and the mentors are laughing because guess what? The biggest thing that people sell in real estate industry is education. That's, a, that's more more of an wow. asset than the house, right? Really? That's friggin' mental. I feel like that speaks to another thing about humanity in general. Yeah. A little that bit, a little I bit. really want to when you're when you're charging when you're charging for think, for your knowledge. But, but it's but also like why are pyramid schemes so successful? Everyone's yeah. looking for fast as a cash. whole. Everyone yeah. wants to make money without wins. doing the work to make the money. Yeah, everybody. If I if I said to either of you, both very rational, very well educated mm. people, hey, if you come listen to me, I I can I can almost certainly say that you will make ten thousand dollars next week alone. You'd be oh, like, I'm yeah, so and then I'd be like, great. It's going to cost you $2,000 to come listen to me. Yeah. And you'd be like, okay, that's still $8,000. I'm in. Exactly. I'm in, right? Exactly. And, and everyone's that happens looking for every fast day. cash. That happens every, every day, day around us. Every day. Yep. And everyone's looking for fast cash. That's literally how a Ponzi scheme starts, right? You're like, oh, I bet I can make you more why than the stock consu- market can make you. Why consulting firms are a thing. Yes. You pay in to get other people. It's, again, buying their knowledge. You're that's hoping it. that you're buying uh, more guaranteed income because you're banking on this person's expertise. Yeah, you're, exactly. you're, be- you're, bet- it's such your bet. you're betting that they know some shit that you don't know. Yeah. And you want to know that same shit. And you don't want to do the research that you've done or the experience you've sought out to be like, okay, this gives me a little bit more comfort to be like, oh, yeah, this will work. And this is, their sp- this is their pitch. It's like, sure, sure, you can learn what I know. Of course you can. You can do all, y- you- you'll-, you'll know exactly what I know, but it'll take you two, three years. Why not save two, three years? It's all though quick. It's and all then, it now. And, then, and now you're making money today. Get rich quick has always been like in to people. Like no one wants to put in the work. Even for like, even like 50 years ago though? 30 years ago? But think about who, ago, I would yeah. love to see the demographics on the people who are seeking this as the quick win. Because yeah, I would argue it's, people now. no, no, I would argue it's still baby boomers. Really? Like yeah, these middle-aged was these middle-aged people who were like, "Oh, like I have to get some financial security for the last half of my life. Like yeah. I still have kids who are living with me at 35, yeah. you know, like yeah. ah. <laughs> I got a co-sign in their fucking league. Yeah, yeah what the, the fuck? fuck? <laughs> Some <Some-time> medians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, well, I, I wish I had like all these stats in front of me, but I but it's something along the lines of like a really high percentage of Canadians aren't like, and they're in their probably late 40s early 50s they're not ready for retirement they don't have they no. haven't even like done yeah. the effective planning yeah. so i guarantee you they're eating this shit up yeah this get rich quick stuff because they're like i need to retire yeah especially because they ready. have this big like big monumental like thing staring them in the face which is retirement yeah and they know they're not financially well enough to, to successfully retire yeah. we i think i've also seen stats that we are more research evidence-based generation the younger ones like you think about the clickbait Facebook stuff about racism and white nationalist stuff. It's like very appealing to the older generation who aren't willing or don't maybe have the skill set because they didn't grow up in the internet age to go, oh, there might be an alternative source of truth out here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the fact that that's true is interesting to me because to me, get rich quick schemes are a risk ultimately. Inherently, they're risky. 
right? You don't get yeah. rich quickly without taking on a shit ton of risk. Where... Yeah, the too-good-to-be-true things always make me go, hmm... Literally upon Ponzi always game. are. Literally. Yeah. Yep, Name yep, one yep. thing that was that seemed too good to be true and and wasn't was true and, and was true, like <laughs> and wasn't too good to be true. <laughs> there we go. I got one. You have one. I have one. Really? Okay. I can't believe it's not butter. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's funny you say that because I have a seminar coming up tomorrow that you're running for th- two thousand dollars about butter. <laughs> oh my god! Really? Yes. Well, what, is it, what is this seminar going to do for me? Pay now and you'll find out. <laughs> you'll make $3,000. Great. Do you take checks? I take butter. <laughs> I take sticks of butter. I have 2000 Do you take I can't believe it's not butter? I have $2,000 yes. worth of that. Good. Good. Um, okay. I'm going to hijack again on some butchering transitions here because uh, two things prompted in our whole discussion. I think we could probably talk for three more hours about yeah. what we're talking about. Oh, yeah. But I wanted like our podcast is... What I would like it to be is more geared towards the person, Kay. not necessarily the the, the subject matter. Yeah. It's really cool to hear the subject matter, but I care about from the lens of the person. Yes. Yes. So two things I sparked my brain as you were talking mm. is one, you talked about family influencing your sort of thoughts or like experience. Of course. And I'm curious how your success now do you feel that your parents are proud of you or your family's proud of you? Or like, do you feel that validation in that parental way where you're mm-hmm. like, or is there any other feelings? I'm just, just curious in um, general. You know what? My, my mother was very apprehensive about me doing any of this. She is very risk averse. Yeah. She is that, you know, traditional mindset of no debt. Yep. Don't take on more debt. What are you doing? What are you thinking? Um, pay off your one property and, and you have a paid off, you know, mortgage and then that's it. And then live your life and enjoy where, um, my, my dad is, um, he's had multiple entrepreneurial businesses and he's more of a risk taker. And so he, he was supportive in, in what I was trying to do. And, but they're, they're definitely happy with, um, with what I've, you know, developed into and become and. Because, um, you know, it's, I feel like there's so many other um, stories out there where uh, they're still living at home with, yep. with their parents or, yep. or they're, yeah. you know, they're still trying to find their way. And um, one thing that uh, I'm happy about is I feel like I found my passion, right? And, and I feel like that's what parents want you to do. They want totally. you to find your, your thing and be good at it. Because, they, they, you know, if... if uh, if, yeah, it'd be bad if you found your thing and you're bad at it. That'd, you know, be, that'd be terrible. Yeah, that'd be well. <laughs> people do it. People do it exactly. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but I've I haven't really asked them to be honest. It's a good. It's it's actually uh, you've got me thinking like, hey guys, hey mom and dad, do you <laughs> actually like are you proud of what I've turned into? But you I, leave I, here I just, and have a whole conversation. Yeah. Call them in the car, <laughs> guys. <laughs> proud of me? I just had a podcast and I don't even know if you're proud of me. Christmas is going to be interesting for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll call it out right then. The presents. It'll just be a question in a box. I saw, I saw you got me socks again. Are you not proud of me? <laughs> <laughs> but no, like they know I've got my shit together. Um, I feel like I'm in a really good spot when it comes to that. I, I'm always trying to spoil them yeah and buy them really like i bought them new countertops for their for their house i bought like you know i I try to not just have this a me 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 thing it's i want to spread the wealth especially because they gave me the the lane and the avenue to 
to go and just grow and make mistakes and yeah. and not just shut me down and they're right. very supportive it, it, so uh, eventually do you eventually okay i was gonna say do as, you in think- my, as in my, my my dad was always like you know what i'm not too sure what's gonna come out of this I feel like you're onto something. I don't know, but I'm not going to stop you. Yeah, because you're passionate about it. And if, and if it goes wrong, we got you. Like, it's yeah. okay. It'll be okay. Kind of yeah. deal. Yeah. But in unison to that, I'm talking to my aunt. I'm talking to other people that have done this to just you know get validation of I'm doing the right thing and I'm not just completely throwing my money away. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because I was scared. I, I didn't really know I was making the right decision, but I did know that this city that I'm, that I'm gr- going into is growing like crazy. The numbers were, were like, were there. You were, you were good at numbers. You're, you're okay at numbers. Yeah, that was okay. <laughs> you're exactly. I was an 82%. <laughs> you're 82%, 82% good at numbers. <laughs> yeah, you're 82% good at numbers. And, and yeah, my, 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 my mom was always like, hey, I, um, she just, she literally didn't want to be involved in the conversation when we talked about Wow. Yeah. No, I, I really relate to that because my mom... You get anxiety. She's told me not to do half the things I've done. And yeah. then when it paid off, she was like, okay, cool. But like, you have to understand why I was stressed. And I was like, yeah, totally. But also, like, I'm not going to... That's not going to influence because I've done my due diligence. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I think a similar thing with my mom, too. And not because I've done the due diligence because I'm notorious for not doing due diligence. <laughs> mm. um, I do diligence, just not all of it. <laughs> it's like, it's like, not all the do. If, if, if the phrase was like half diligence, that's what yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, I do yeah, some yeah. diligence. Half D. <laughs> so if I do half D. Yeah. Oof, I have um, D. Not one D, just half D. Half D. <laughs> um, no, but I, I get a similar thing. And, and I think part of it also is like, it's oh, <laughs> this term that I call idea fatigue where I'm an ideas person and then literally every other month i'll just go home and be like you know what think about this i feel like this could be cool i feel like i want to do this maybe and my mom's like jesus fucking christ pick yeah. something or she's like oh. every every other month she's like oh there's a there's a new idea here i wonder how this is going to turn out and um she's scared a little bit as well right yeah. i think i think going and doing things outside of the box is always a risk and when as, as soon as you take away that if i didn't have a stable job like you do then it's a, then then i'm losing that floor right i'm losing that floor of like hey if all else goes wrong, I at least have this income and this lifestyle to, to bank on. Yeah. Right? And I think that anytime for my mom, I'm like, hey, there's a new idea. I think in her head, she's immediately picturing me leaving everything that's safe. And, yeah. And yeah. 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 And spending all my time and all my resources and all yeah. my money on this new thing. It's yeah. so interesting because I'm also an ideas person, but I dated the ideas person who didn't know research at all. Yeah. And I was just so paranoid that every five seconds he was legitimately going to do that, like scrap the whole life and like go do it. Whoa. Like it was so terrifying. So and then it comes across and like, I don't trust you. Language. Uh. Which it's exactly not, what it comes across like. Yeah, yeah, which I don't mean to do, but also like do your fucking research. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have to it's, not, it's really stressful. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're like sharing a life with the person or like your child is doing stuff that like I'm sure she's in her mind thinking as the nurturer for you. Like yeah. if you fuck up, oh, what the hell? Like I, it's not like I have bank right here being like, here, Ashe, here's I'm the... I'm going to help you now. Yeah, here's yeah. the money because you fucked up. Welcome you know? home, you 20... 20- four-year-old has been yeah but she's gonna think that if you're uh, in the same way that my mom thinks this if if i fail as her child she is then the default responsibility for fixing that or dealing with it or whatever she is the bailout and that's that is her train of thought no matter how much i say like if i fuck up it is my fuck up and i'm gonna get myself out of it she's not gonna hear that she's gonna be like no no no, it's just me so yeah, I, I think can my definitely mom's the same appreciate boat. that that's where she's coming yeah. from. That when she hears, I'm going to do this, she's thinking, oh, if he fails, he's coming and live with me and I have to bail him out financially and yeah. et cetera, et cetera. 
Dude, and, and you know these fucking kids. You know what? What one like area that I completely forgot to mention growing up and like was a huge influence on me and helped me also with my fear um, was watching a lot of HGTV and oh, watching we're talking... Income Property by Scott McGilvery. I was about to... oh Scott McGilvery. Okay, I was gonna say the, the Scott brothers. That that came after I believe. I think okay. Scott was an OG. Okay. I think because he was a carpenter on another show. Yes. Yeah, he was for a while. And then he made his own show. And that, that I'm like, because every single time, the f- couple or the whatever, they made more money by doing these strategic invest like, renos. And so I'm like, okay, this guy's doing it every single night yeah. at 7 o'clock on HGTV. <laughs> like, obviously, this is working for people. So that was a big, big, big. And I kept actually showing my parents. But that's really cool that yeah, you were like, that I'm really take this Because, like, I'm like, okay. Scott McGilvery, Canadian, you know, smart business investor guy, uh, make helping families make money, and it was called Income Property. I'm like, okay, what is this? So right <laughs> at that time, I, I had already read the Rich Dad Poor Dad. I, I forget what was first, Chicken or the Egg, but Scott was a huge influence hmm. on on me making this plunge because I'm like, he just kept proving it every single episode yeah. that this is possible. And you're like, I can't seem to poke holes in this strategy. I know, <laughs> I know. So, so you know, my. My yeah. other question that I was rattling around, and we kind of touched on it a little bit in the family influence. Yeah. But, like, I could see with the track record you've had that you could be an asshole. Mm. You might, like, you could be. Yeah. From what he's vetted and how he's talked about you, I do not see that as, the, uh, as your identity. In the fact that you guys are friends. Yeah. And in the fact that, like, you seem to care about people. And you look for advice, it means you're willing to learn and take from other people's experience. Yeah. So I'm like, how have you naturally not been an asshole? Have you maintained humility? Yeah. Kind of yeah, 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 yeah. That's a better way to phrase it. <laughs> well, I, I completely know that I'm not, I don't know everything. Um, and I'm willing to uh, hear other people's perspectives. I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to come out and say like the way that I'm doing things is the only way to do things. It's whatever your comfort, le- comfort level is, whatever your your why is so i have i have a my big why is like i want to spend more time with my family and when i eventually have kids i want to be able to not do a trade-off between do i want to go to my kids hockey game or do i have to finish that report or presentation for tomorrow or i have to travel and go uh for a, a seminar or whatever so um and and that was something that growing up was um, like my, my, my first goal in hockey was missed because my, my dad was on, on, uh, work travels. So I don't want to have to be trading that off. And yeah. so real estate was my means and there's many other means to make passive income. But for me, it was real estate. I, it made sense to me. There's other, there's other venues like drop shipping and you could, do, you can go into mortgages and you can go into, um, you could do day trading and it's 15 minutes a day or whatever and whatever it's that's nothing but for me what made sense was real estate and um i don't know i i don't i i'm not greedy in terms of like i want the most amount of money in the world and i yeah. you know i'm gonna have the that freddie yacht and go to the port credit marina and it seems like I you measure want, success I want, differently i've now come to realize that a yacht is the worst purchase i could ever <sighs> have yeah i know right it, that's a consumer debt right that is that the dumbest thing it's a gas guzzling entertainment vehicle oh, yeah. right yeah. i don't need that i don't want that so um 
But it's it's almost like money is a means to supplement the bigger things in life. Yeah, and which is time. Like I, yeah. I just want time. Yeah. I don't like having to trade off my time to do things I want to do with people that are important to me. And like that factory lifestyle of like I got to put in a 12-hour shift to exactly. just earn money to be able to provide the like the roof over the head but yeah. not the time with the family. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I really really appreciate that cuz like I used to have a weird mentality because I was so scared of money. Like it, this is talking high school days yeah. of like, I have to save every penny because I have to go to post-secondary because I have to get the job that makes a stable income and et cetera. And I was like, I'm not going to spend any money on travel because that's so stupid. Why would I tr- spend money on something that doesn't actually contribute to the job, contribute to the, right. the end balance, the final line? You feel like you're not getting a return on your investment financially with travel. Exactly. And then I went on my first trip where it was money that I had earned that wasn't tied up in student like uh, tuition the next term. Right. And I was like, oh, damn, this is fun. And then since then, I've now started doing about two trips a year for the last couple of years. And the value it gives me with the people I'm traveling with, the experiences I get to live, that how much it expands my experiences, my horizons of like, I actually went to a place where no one spoke English in that town. And I was like, Whoa. this is the first time I've ever been to this kind of experience. And it's stressing me out. And that was enlightening and then caused me a lot of thought after that. So I was like, man, travel's so worth it in terms of investment. Mm-hmm. And so then it's like reprioritizing value of what the cash that you're working towards gets you as a life experience. Which is really right. interesting because even, even I think I want to touch on this more, which is the why. But from what you described of the why, ultimately what we're talking about is not necessarily you're not making money for the sake of making money right you're you're like you said you're changing your value hierarchy where you know that the money is providing you something intangible it's not it's not necessarily the roi the return on your investment of making money is enjoyment it's it's experience it's broadening your perspective it's making you think it's making you a better person it's trying new things eating new food right it's it's all that kind of stuff which is not necessarily measurable money which I think is the irony of it is that you're making money to do things that you can never measure in money. Yeah. And I think another thing that like a lot of uh, people that are associated with like assholes are they just want to have a better car than you. They want to yeah. have the nicer house than you. I don't yeah. want, I think having a nicer car is stupid. I want just a, I, I actually made a, a poor decision when I was, uh, this would have been, 2013-ish too, that I didn't realize that like buying a nicer car was a dumb idea. I should have just bought a basic car. Yeah. Because now I have to use premium gas. Your insurance is more. My insurance is more. And so I wish I never did that. It's, it is what it is. I have it, but I'm I'm not going to make that mistake or make that decision again. Right. Next time you come to buy a car, you're buying like a regular. I'm going to buy a regular family. I'm not going to buy a Maserati which I feel like, not to say people that own Maseratis are all assholes, but... That's what you said. Some... It's on the record. It's recorded now. <laughs> yeah. We it heard it. Yeah. We heard it. <laughs> Everyone who owns a Maserati is an asshole. Murray That's Murray. a huge part of yeah. our audience. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is the entire, entire audience is that. Um, but like, they do it not because they can afford it, but just because they're showing off yeah. that they can. It's a flex. And... Oh, I drove by this house yesterday and uh, for this friend's giving, they had three horse st- statues oh, on their lawn. Statues. 
For who? For who are those for? Oh God! Exactly. They're just like they're galloping statues of horses, and one was on on its back legs. I'm like, what <laughs> in the fuck is this? Yeah. There's a couple. There's a couple places. I was in. I was in a very interesting place in Brampton buying something off Kijiji one time, and I <laughs> okay. saw. Yes. I saw these houses. <laughs> Go on. As as one does. Um, I saw these houses, and um, I know the listeners aren't going to be able to visualize this, but picture like a townhome complex. These houses were bigger than this entire complex that I'm currently living in. And oh. I, I, and there was like six cars in the driveway. Some of them had like the wrap on them. I was like, what? what is the point? There's like a four-person family living there. That's yeah. what, what I'm thinking, yeah. What is it? Why? For, for what do you need eight bedrooms for? Waste. Yeah. And, and the, the irony but is... But it's four families. Hmm? But it's four families. So yeah. it's not one family with eight rooms. It's four families with two rooms each. It could, it could be. It could, yeah. uh, you know what? I should, I should not discount the fact that this $14 million house could actually be a be, shared property. It could be literally shit inside and it just be, a bunch of families it, yeah. sharing it because they want to live yeah. in a mansion, but they couldn't afford it. It could be. Individually. But that's Ooh. the reason why like... Why, I like, that was a thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Multiple families living in a mansion. Is it actually a thing? I don't know if it's a thing, but it's <clears> common. <throat> Yeah. Wow. It's definitely common. Yeah. Because huh. they want, they don't mind. And it's usually family are the families. Oh, mm. uh, the cousins. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so it's not yeah. random people making a deal. It's, hey, cousin one, cousin two, cousin three, or mom and dad and mm. whatever. Gra- let's yeah. all buy a mansion. But they're doing it for the gram, basically. Doing it for the gram. Yeah. Huh. So and welcome back. No, welcome, welcome, <laughs> welcome. Back. welcome. Okay, so welcome back. Thank you. From the pee break, we're gonna look a little retrospectively. We are uh, of the imaginary future. Of the imaginary future, we've talked a lot about the why and then why we do things uh, like that, and then the the intangible ROI of our financial goals, right? And and so my question, I guess, for both you and and a bit myself is. Just a bit. A bit. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to answer. <laughs> it's uh, no, my question is that what what do you want your life to look like? In, in a scenario where you achieve all your financial goals, you hit, you're, you're living the lifestyle you want to live now, right? Because mm-hmm. that was the thing. That you don't want to... Something you said to me earlier um, when we were off, uh, off mic was that why why would I want to wait till I'm old and my and my body's giving up on me to do the things I love to, to explore the places travel I want the world to see and, and hike you know huge mountains and I've never been to before and yeah exactly so assuming you're able to do all those things and all this financial and lifestyle stuff happens what do you want your life to look like when you're looking back on it in 20 30 40 50 years so my how I envision my future to be is um, Having time to do what I choose to do, which is what I'm starting to do now. I, uh, you know, get to a point where I don't have to trade off my time for money. And so that pressure is off mm. to have to allocate time away from family or people that are, I find important in my life to make money. So um, not to say that my the, the goal is just um, traveling and, and that's it. Because, you know, I'm going to have kids 
Um, I'm, I'm probably going to have a family. And I think I'm gonna, we're going to have three kids. We've agreed on three. Cute. So I'll have three kids. That's where I see myself being, having a loving family, very uh, uh, easygoing. I don't want to uh, lead with an iron fist type of dad. I want to be the happy-go-lucky dad, you know, and don't take life too seriously. And But I'm still going to, because I'm passionate about it, I'm still going to have real estate in my yeah. life, whether I'm flipping a house or Ew. renovating a house. I have full intention of still being in that space no, no matter what. And I think we talked about this also off mic, but um, there's there's a 65 is like that number in everyone's head, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't have that number in my head. I don't know when. I just want to get to a point um, before that, um, ideally before I'm 40, that hmm. I completely am free of sw- swapping time for money. Can I ask how old you are? Sorry. I'm 32. Okay. Yeah. So I think I, it's it's doable. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm, uh, I'm I'm loving what I'm I'm doing today, uh, to get there, but uh, I'm excited to see what once I fully jump in and and do it as a, my main hustle, if you will. Yeah. Right. I'm, cu- I'm curious, uh, like to dive a little deeper on that. Is that would is this something your path this this side hustle becoming your main hustle this real estate lifestyle this this thing that you're doing, is this something you would be, you would want your kids to do? You'd push your kids to do? You, you'd encourage them to go into as well? Or, Of course. I'm a bit biased, but um, similar to what I was mentioning before, like my dad is in marketing, my mom's a nurse. They both didn't, weren't real estate investors. They didn't, they weren't doing what I was doing. Um, but it's not, be, it, and I don't think they're, they're not proud of me. I think they're proud of me. I think they love me. I know they love me. Um, but dad. they're not, they're not, uh, they're pleased with what I've become. I know that. And I would be happy with whatever th- my children are deciding to do. I'm not going to pressure them to, um, I'm sure that I'm, there's going to be an influence because I'm probably going to bring them. And I've, I've heard stories of people that were brought up with an investor, a real estate investor parents. They go to the job site. They can see the work being done, the before and after the yeah. working with, you know, the working with their mortgage broker, working with the lawyer and all that. And, and then getting the bug too. But, um, I'm not going to force anything on if, if they want to go into anything else, then I'm not going to pigeonhole them to do what I want them to be. Seems like you're on the track of being the easygoing, happy-go-lucky dad. Exactly. I want to have game night. Yes. I'm game night, you know, movie night, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Do something with your family once a week, I think is healthy. So family's an important part of the future. Yeah. Of I, I, was very, success. I was very close with my family growing up. I used to hold a lot more value to wealth and success because Mm. of my parental influence. They both struggled very hard and influenced me in a way of paranoia. Mm. It was like, you have to do this in order to get this. And Uh. then as I've become my own person, I was like, oh, I, and I think this may be a little ignorant, but I have this sort of blind confidence. And I don't think it's fully blind because I have experience now, but like blind confidence that to an extent I won't ever be penny pinching to in a way that I won't be able to live day to day. Like right. I definitely will be able to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. And so therefore it's completely shifted my value system of like how I want to live my life to be more people oriented because I get so much more value out of that. And so if I get to a full life of where I've been able to build relationships with people and mm-hmm. have people 
in I'm going to say network, but that means like a large family. Like I really do treat anybody in my life as my family. So, and making an impact in a positive way in the world is more important to me. Money will be there, but it's not my value system. So when I look back, it's have I made an impact on people, not have I made an impact on my wallet. Right. Fair. Control C, control V. Yeah. Copy paste. Copy paste what you said. Uh, (laughs) No. I, I, very similar though. Like I, I, I honestly, you said it very well. But I'm also very family oriented. You know, I money hasn't always been like a a huge driver. It was it was something I was I was very I've been weary of growing up because my family wasn't like the most well off. We, we didn't like my my parents did a good job making sure my sister and I didn't want for much. Yeah. But it's not like we were rolling in cash, right? So yeah. Um, money obviously is an enabler and and. It's something that I'm like, okay, well, I'd rather be rich than broke. Yeah. But I think that's fair to say to anybody. What matters more to me is making a difference, which is exactly what you said. But yeah. it's, it's also the same to me. It's like I, I never want there to be an interaction, a, a, a experience. Any, I don't want anything to be left on the table. And it, when I'm in 30, year, 30 years from now, mm. when I'm looking back at my life, I don't want to sit there and say like, oh, I left all that on the table for money. Yeah, you know what I mean. I I I, le- I left I left a strong relationship with my kids on the table for money. You know what I mean? Like I don't want that to be mm-hmm. uh, where I'm at in thirty years. And so having having that call it a, a that pool of regrets be as empty as possible is where I want to be in thirty years. Yeah. Ooh, the pool of regrets be that empty. Ooh, I like that. It's a good visual I visual like metaphor. I'm a fan. Maybe I'll be a writer. I don't know. We'll find, <laughs> we'll find <laughs> out together. Thirty years. Yeah. Yeah. And this is I. Oh, can we do a big talk small summary? Because I feel like I just had a thought hit my head. I'd love to, yeah. Uh, so you, you, Why don't you go first, Danny? <laughs> yeah. Um, and what I was going to sort of tangent to, but I think it's a nice big talk small summaries, is you don't have to define a career to be successful. And mm-hmm. I say that because when you just mentioned the author comment, I was like, yeah, like friggin' the world is our oyster. Like if you figure out tomorrow you have a passion you'd never come across so far, that doesn't mean you have wasted all this time or that you can't completely shift 180. Like we have no game plan that we have to follow. You don't have to have that one thing that is like I am this and that right. equals my entire life's value. Yep. So I just like kudos to anybody who's willing and able to follow their passions and if you feel a little bit less confident about doing that don't because like it's mm-hmm. not as scary as we think it is right i like that i have one okay go ahead it's uh it's around the whole thought of uh as you're saying danny the like you don't have to have a defined career path there is the traditional sense of get a job you know make money pay off your property um and that's it and um retire 65 for what I, what I try to preach to people is, you know, try and find a, something you can do as a side hustle, but just note that your side hustle doesn't have to necessarily be your, a monetary gain. It could be a charity that you want to spend time with, right? Be a the, hobby. It could be a hobby. It could be making an active attempt to spend time with your significant other, your, and, and that could be your, your hustle. Your hustle doesn't have to necessarily be money or making more money. It could be something that you truly f- makes you feel more full inside. And, um, and so 
don't just think of it as a financial thing. It's it's a you could it's a humanity thing. You can you could hustle and I- improve others' lives, um, you know, every day. I am okay. a massive fan. Snaps for Evan. Yeah, Snaps for Evan. yeah <laughs> slam poetry. Um, mine is mine is again a phrase that I'm going to take a minute to explain. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Online, here we go. Mm-hmm. Ashay TM. Um, <laughs> so my phrase is know your why. Like, know the why. of Don't focus on the what, right? Mm. You could be doing whatever you're doing. If, if you're somebody that is working just one job, doesn't have a side hustle, but you're working that one job and you're, and you're focused on that and you have a reason for working that one job, you're, you're scared, you're risk-averse, and you want this as a nice floor, a safety net, that's fine. That's a, that's a why. Just that's know your why. Why, exactly. why are you doing this? Why, yeah. What do you want in the future? What is your why? Mm-hmm. What is the reason for doing this right now? You yeah. want to make sure that you have stability and aesthetic in the future so you're only doing one job, no side hustles, no risk. That's okay. That's fine. Your why is around having creating a lifestyle of your choice. So you're doing all these things now. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Yep. It's things you're doing things to enable your why down the line. So right. always know your why. Don't focus on the what. Not honestly, the where doesn't even matter that much. The when ma- matters a little bit more. <laughs> now the when is now. The who is the who is you, and then <laughs> the how is again the same thing as the what. So. Guys, let's just recap the five whys and the how. <laughs> so the why. I'm saying the why. <laughs> focus on. Just focus on the why. Know the know your why and uh, and keep that always in your in your the north your star. Your north star. Yes, exactly. That's a great. That's wow. That's perfect. Um, uh, thank you so much, Evan, for coming on and talking to us today. You. I think that this has been incredibly stimulating. Very. I feel much like so. I might go home and start a side hustle. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I might buy a house tonight. <laughs> I hope you I don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you for uh, the support, and um, I love you guys. Thank you for listening. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or feedback, you can shoot us an email by emailing fsmalltalk at gmail.com, reach out to us on Instagram at fsmalltalk, or visit our website, fsmalltalk.com. We wanted to give a big thank you to our lovely and talented friend Ada for the musical considerations. She's an amazing up-and-coming independent recording artist specializing in R&B, pop, and funk. She's available for collabs and shows, so if you liked what you heard, simply hit her up on Instagram, at AidaSoLive. That's at A-I-D-A so live. If you want to hear more of her stuff, you can find her at soundcloud.com forward slash Ada so live. That's soundcloud.com forward slash A-I-D-A so live. She's amazing, so definitely go check her out. A big thank you also goes out to Lonnie for producing the awesome track you heard. He is an R&B and hip-hop producer who's worked with major artists, including Drake, Beyonce, and Lil Wayne. He's available to work with at his Toronto studio, so if you're interested, simply check him out on Instagram at HitHouseToronto. That's at HitHouseToronto. So again, big thank you to Ada and Lonnie. This podcast was brought to you by us. And also beer. And also coffee. Because what is sleep even? Also, hi mom. Love you.